Hey, Wizards fans, welcome to the latest episode of the Off the Bench Podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington. Today, we chop it up with President of Basketball Operations and General Manager Tommy Shepard as we reflect on the 2021-2022 season. A season that saw a lot of highs and some lows, but also some development of some young players. We get Tommy's take on that going into the summer with a huge decision involving Bradley Beal in the draft. And more importantly, where do the Wizards see themselves identifying the most important position in basketball? The point guard position. All that coming up. Make sure you download, subscribe, and leave a comment as we listen to Tommy Shepard on this Off the Bench Podcast episode, Off-Season Edition. You know, we talk throughout the whole year about what you're seeing, but when that final horn in Charlotte goes off, where does your mind go to? I know you're working one eye here today, one eye down the road, but when you hear that funnel horn, what was your reaction? Well, thank God. You know, you can, <laughs> you can end the season yeah. and move forward. I'm so encouraged what's ahead. I think it's an opportunity for us now. You learn from this season, the things that happen, uh, and look forward to the future. You know, you, you learn from the past. You don't live there. But most importantly for me is I, I like the fabric of what we have. I like the guys in our locker room. I love the coaching staff where we can go next year. is going to be controllable for, by us, by the time equity, the repetition, the opportunity to start a, a normal offseason and the time that we spend with each other. You know, we hired Wes late. We had a lot of guys who couldn't get to training camp. There's all the excuses you right. can put out there that are real, but they don't matter. But now I heard that final horn. I said, hey, we're undefeated again. Let's go out there, do the very best job this summer player development, through the draft, through free agency, through trades. Let's get this team up uh, another notch and, and be ready to go next season. I'm excited about what we have returning. Was this a failure? No. not, not How would no you describe way. a team that won 25 games after that 10-3 and three start? Like, how, how would you kind of quantify this? You know, I look at the adversity that they went through. I look at the injuries, and I, I ask you, if we took the top player off of every team in the league, how many games would they drop down? And certainly, I think the answer would be pretty, pretty similar to what we went through. You know, Bradley played in 40 games. We had a big trade. We, you know, it's not just Bradley. You, you miss Rui for the first, what, 30, 40 right. games. Thomas Bryant, you know, people that we had slated to play a ton of minutes. But I know at the end of the season, we had a starting five out there. Not one of those five players was on our roster a year ago. So where there's maybe there's adversity, there's also strength that comes from that, that I saw the opportunities that acquiring Pope, Kuzma, drafting Corey, ending up with Porzingis in a trade. And those are four huge rotation players for us next year that we didn't have at the beginning of this season. So that's exciting to me. And then you add the development of Rui, what we saw in Denny, what we see in Daniel Gaffer. Now you're at seven. So we need Bill to come back. We need another good draft. We need to be really thoughtful about our backcourt. But those are things that I think are within our grasp. Mm -hmm. And we haven't mortgaged our future. We have our picks. We acquired more picks this summer. I think we shaped up our, our, our financial future. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I think that's to, to see anything but good ahead would be a lie. I, I'm really excited about it. I definitely think we learned a lot this season. I want to talk more about what you said about shoring up kind of your backcourt. And I want to ask you specifically about the point guard position. Tommy Shepard, president of basketball operations, what, how do you see the point guard position in the NBA? What does it look like to you? Well, I think there's a, there's a small group of lobbyists trying to change it to points guard, <laughs> right? The, the traditional point guards that, that were 
in the Hall of Fame, you know, those guys would pass first, see the court, push the pace, feed everybody, get spoon-fed. You know, those days seem to be behind us, but I still believe that there's the best position for us is to have somebody that is going to be a pass-first person when you got guys that can fill it up. But I think it's also somebody that's really capable of being off the ball as well and, and being able to allow Bradley to create, Denny to create, Porzingis can create, Kuzma can create, but that's not their first focus. So we need somebody who definitely can bring up the ball, initiate, score when needed, but defensively contain the dribble, keep people out of the paint. So, you know, it's a big ask, but those people exist. We have to go out and find them. The reason why I ask you that is when you look at the top four teams in the West, they all have elite level point guards. When you look in the East, there are still some big name point guards. Mm -hmm. Is that player for the Washington Wizards moving forward need to be an elite level point guard? Do you have someone on your roster that is that already that you're trying to develop? Or is this something you're going to have to do some business in the summer? Well, first of all, every year, if you look at the top four teams in both sides, they're going to have an elite point guard. Uh, I would challenge you to name a team that didn't. Uh, certainly, we've had experience with elite point guards, so we know what they look like, yep. what they can do. But you have to go with what you have or what you can acquire. And I think for us, we, we saw Bradley, when he gets the ball, he, he, what he can do. And, but that's not what I want him to do. I want him to fill it up. I want him to be a secondary playmaker for sure. And I know he can do that, that job for sure. He's, he's a very good ball handler, a very good playmaker. But what he does at an elite level is score the ball. And so I want to have somebody that can feed him to get other people off as well. And we can develop that certainly. But I think uh, the opportunity this summer to maybe acquire that through the draft, through trade, that's something we're going to take a long, hard look at for sure. For a young man like Denny, um, really showed his ability to actually run your offense a little bit, pick and rolls. He even told me the one thing about picking pops with Porzingis is he has to learn when he pops out like that, you know, there's still an opening for him to be aggressive. But the notion of Denny being a point guard, is that, is that a possibility moving forward? I like to think of him more as a secondary playmaker. Okay. I think he's really good in DHOs. I think he's capable of doing that. But again, how much usage before you realize that the turnovers are too much. You know, I think he can do some things. Defensively, they're going to, they'll, they'll figure him out pretty quick and they'll get a lot of ball pressure. And, it, you know, that's something you develop over time for him. It's, he's got point guard instincts, but that's not his natural position. I still believe, you know, the center, the point guard, those two most difficult positions in the NBA. And to put a lot on his plate at such a young age, not, not age on the calendar, but age in terms of his games in the NBA. You know, that's going to come in time. This isn't the time yet, but I want to continue to see that development in him for sure. What he needs to do this summer, he's going to have, he's going to tie his right arm behind his back and make him dribble left every time. You know, I think that's something that, hey, until they stop him going right, that's what he likes to say. But I said, well, chances are they're going to figure you out. You're going to have to have that left hand. And that's something we talked about, and that's a big area of development for him this summer. Our old friend, the late Flip Saunders, may he rest in peace, always said point guards for what? They were made from they, heaven. They, they came were, from heaven, right? Straight <laughs> out of heaven. Um, let's talk a little bit about Brad. I'm going to probably go in a different direction because we all know it. he has a decision to make. How many plans do you have in place? There's a BO plan and then there's a plan B. Is there a plan B right now? Certainly. You always have to have options on everything in your roster. And you always have to look three moves ahead. You know, I play a lot of chess. <laughs> And, and the thing that you learn is, hey, I can have the best plan, but if 
that person on the other side of the board does something different. You have to be able to, to evaluate, observe, move forward. So we're certainly ready for anything. And I think this summer, when you look at the players that are roster that weren't here a year ago, you know, you seem to you, you detect a pattern. I'm going to look at a ton of players. We've mm -hmm. done that since we got here. We, you know, we've missed the playoffs a couple of times. We were in the playoffs last year. You've got to get players that are going to be on the upswing, players that are going to help us get to where we want to go. And that's, a, that's not a, a shallow statement. I'm, I'm being that very sincere that you have to look at a lot of players. Mm -hmm. we got to develop. You identify the ones that you want to move forward with. There's some players you'd love to have, but those players are going to help you get a better player as part of it. To get talent, you have to give up talent. We did that at trade deadline. And I think we'll continue to look at ways to get better any way we can, if it's the draft, if it's free agency, if it's trade. It's claiming people off waivers. We've done all those mm -hmm. in three years to get better. And I, I, I like now I feel like we don't have as much heavy lifting to do. We've got some fine tuning to do. And, and we keep adding the best that we can by player development. Historically, just from my perspective of 15 years, the Wizards have really done a good job at trades. Mm -hmm. When you see something that ain't going right, you go, go fix it. This now going into your fourth year, how would you kind of characterize that part of the business of if something's amiss, we identify it and we try to correct it? Yeah, I think that's really important. You know, I learned that from Joe Dumars a long time ago when he was in Detroit, one of the best GMs to do it. You know, it's the biggest mistake is not fixing your mistake. I wouldn't call anything, you know, I'm not saying this person's a mistake, but there's times where you say, you know what, right player, wrong fit. Right player, wrong time, you know, and to sit there and try to say, hey, I'm right, everybody else is wrong, that, that's pretty idiotic. You know, you got to observe, you got to see chemistry, you got to see how players play together, fit together, and you got to make your judgment. But also, again, if that team was rolling along this year and we had the opportunity to acquire Przingis, you still do it. You have to get the best talent, and I think we did that there. The fact that we were able to save money, acquire draft capital, and that deal even made it that much better. But Przingis was, in my opinion, the best player in that group, and I think he makes us better for the future. And those How are many hard players have you, you had have this do. year? 29. We so had 29 players. I remember the Heat game in Miami because I called that game, and I remember you guys were bringing in players that, I think, Craig Sword. I'm trying to think, like, all the names. Alizé Johnson, Alizé Johnson. And I'm, like, putting my board on, and I'm writing these names. Out. I'm like, where are we getting these people from, right? How would you describe that day? I, I'm really interested. That one specific day, what was that like bringing in all these different players? Well, it's fantastic. Those are the moments in this business that you get very, very rarely, mm -hmm. but you thrive in them. Our staff, everybody get collectively, hey, how are we going to get this person? I spoke to Alizé Johnson at 8 o'clock in the morning. He was in Chicago. Mm -hmm. We got him on a flight in an hour and a half. He came down, signed a contract with us, played that night because of COVID. Jordan Goodwin, Craig Sword, those are their, their two call-ups. Those guys came from the G League. It's their first moment to play in the NBA and to see what, how much it meant to them and see those guys develop on the go-go. You know, those moments, they're difficult. There are a lot of emotions that come with it, but we thrive in those. And I think those opportunities, they come so rarely, but they're so rewarding to see the look on those players' faces at the anthem. They're looking down at regular season game and they're wearing an NBA jersey. That was fantastic. I wouldn't suggest you try it at home, going through 29 <laughs> players in a season. You know, a lot of that's injuries. A lot of that obviously was COVID replacement. And obviously the NBA had over 600 players for the first time who played. 
you know, how many players, uh, I can't even tell you how many players, it was their first game in the NBA. But obviously this season, because of the world that's, that we're in, the pandemic dictated a lot of that. But I don't want to run from it. We embrace it. We think it's part of our story, man. This, this adversity, these scars from this year, that's going to propel us forward. Where do you see the fix or fixes you need so when you go into camp next year, you feel like you're a better ball club? Is it three-point percentage? Is it defense? Where is it from your perspective right now? Well, where isn't it, right? There, you can always get better in every asset, every facet of the game. Certainly defense is going to be a focus. But I think it all starts with the time equity this summer, being able to spend time with our players. We weren't able to do a lot of that for the last two summers between COVID, between a new coaching staff, new players. You know, a lot of things were working against us to spend that time. And now, you know, I'm somebody that I need to spend a ton of time with you. I need to see where you're at. We go work with your work. I go work out with players. I go, our coaching staff will be with players a lot um, in the summer. I think it's so important to watch them develop, to be part of their development, and then certainly to, to put in as much as you can prior to training camp. So when we hit the training camp, there's already a good knowledge base of what's expected. But to answer your question, defensively, it's going to be a focus. But certainly, I think we need to shoot more threes. We need to make more threes. I think we have to be as creative and, and imaginative offensively as we've ever been because we have a piece that we never had before, someone like Chris Stapps and someone like Kuzma, someone like Rui, someone like uh, Pope, where they're all capable of bringing the ball up initiating the offense. Denny as well. Like, those guys don't really exist that much, you know, prior rosters. So now we have to figure out how to make all those pieces fit. But I'd rather be trying to figure out how to make the pieces fit than figure out how to get the pieces. And I think we've done Absolutely. that. You know, I heard you during the press conference say you appreciate the free advice that you get sometimes, but you're the guy that's sitting in the, in the chair. I've always been interested with the collection of talent. It looks good, kind of like on a board and a group sits together and kind of talks about these players. But ultimately, they have to sit in a locker room like this, and then they have to go out and go compete together. And things might be good early in the year, and then human nature sets in. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you balance what looks good on your board July 1st as opposed to we're going through some real struggles here in January? Just the human element part of that. How do you deal with that? Oh, you, gotta, you have to have a great deal of empathy for, for what players are going through, what coaches are going through. It's a self-sacrificing business, but sometimes you got to put anything to the side uh, that you're concerned about mm -hmm. and say, hey, let's fix these problems. You know, when I look at where we were early in the season, that's enough to make me feel, hey, we're on to something. Adversity hit, COVID hit, kick some games. That stuff all, mm -hmm. it's part of our story. We embrace it, we learn from it, we move forward. I don't think you can run from it. I, I, we were not deniers of these things. We could have done better in some areas for sure, but the collective experience game from going through adversity is only going to help us next year. Like I said, we, were, we didn't think Corey was going to play a minute for us this year, uh, you know, at least in the first half of the season. He ended up starting for us and was tremendous fine for us. And that's just one example of many where adversity actually created opportunity for other people and watching them make the most of it was tremendous. Corey might have been the best cutter I've seen a rookie. <laughs> no, I, I'm being real serious. I, I don't think I've ever really seen many rookies kind of come into the league and just understand the concept of cutting. Yeah. And it could be infectious, right? So if he cuts, another guy sees what happens when you cut. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of that is so much as just playing together mm -hmm. and, and getting the opportunity to play together. But when you're new, I always recommend the rookies come in and defend and make sure you do everything you can to keep the ball moving, mm -hmm. and the ball will find you. And I think he's one of the guys that actually listens. And he's, he's a tremendous basketball IQ. He's a great teammate. I think all his players 
all of his teammates love playing with him. And I think, mm-hmm. honestly, at the end of the year, you know, you're, you're, you're looking forward to what can be based on the way people finish the year and their attitudes and their love for each other. I saw that, and I, it gives me great optimism mm-hmm. for what's ahead, and he's a big part of that, just like all these other guys that we discussed are a part of that. You subscribe to carryover from one season summer and then going into the fall is there is there a thing in your eyes that has carry over i think there's lessons to be learned certainly but every single season this will be my 29th year next year in the nba is different mm-hmm. and, and you know the things that you predict we, we preseason we were thinking a year ago we were going to have a guy that was starting at center he got hurt then you know fast forward we have two new centers since then you know you fast forward we were thinking hey we have a stalwart in the backcourt you know and he goes down when he plays 40 games. So I learned, you know, to, to really count on architecturally grabbing something together, put, put your roster together that has depth, that has versatility, and has the spirit, the brotherhood that, that allows for you to, to, to survive tough times. You know, like I said earlier, you take the best player off of every roster in the NBA, they're going to drop them. And yeah. that's just a fact. But what we want to be able to do, guard ourselves for those tough times. But when the good times are here, make the most of them. And you know that was the second best start in franchise history. We were 12 and five, 10 and three. Those, those were that happened, and that gives me a great deal of optimism. We can recreate that, extend it, sustain it next year. That's our goal. Let's get to a much better place than where we finished. But I love the way we finished, and I think the carryover, if there's anything, is what Wes learned this mm-hmm. year and being able to apply it forward. He's a much better coach on you know day 365 than he was on day one. He'll tell you that. And I, I think for all of us to get better, you have to observe the results, learn from them, and move forward. My last question was going to be about Wes and just kind of how he grew as the head coach, moving a seat over or two mm-hmm. seats over to being that guy uh, in his first year. How would you assess his season? His growth is phenomenal. You know, he's a meticulous guy. He knows the game inside and out, but you only learn about yourself as you go through the fires. Mm-hmm. You know, you can always say, I, I, I had a similar path as him. You know, always saying, I want to be a GM one day. I want to run a team, and then you get it. And you go and there's, there's not a library book, there's not a pamphlet that you can learn from. You've got to go through it yourself. You prepared your whole life, now go execute it. I think on day one, you come into this business with an idea and then life happens. And Wes was able to respond every single time. Adversity, we had success struggles, we had success, we had injury, all these different things. And he was very steady throughout it. He's a calm person, he's very knowledgeable, he's very good. I think one lesson he learned as you go through the year, maybe sometimes less film, more time with players. And that's what you get the most results from. And, you know, it's an adjustment because when you're an assistant coach, you're always preparing, preparing, preparing for the head coach. Now you're the head coach. Well, he learned. You know, I got to trust my assistants to do that stuff when I got to go out and spend more time with players. And that's only going to make us better in the future. Love on them, cuss them out when you have to, but, you know, put an arm around them. Right? An awful lot like what we do at home. Little kids. Your time is always appreciated. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah.